So what do you know about the promotional products that you are putting out there with your brand on them? What is behind those promotional products? Are they compliant? Are they brand safety? They are everything to your brand. And I'm not sure if you know everything that goes on behind the scenes. Well, Tim Brown was here last week from QCA talking to us all about this 24 billion dollar industry and why you want to care about what goes on behind the scenes for your own brand's protection. Go and check that out. That's at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode 77. Welcome to Let's Talk Supply Chain. My name is Sarah Barnes Humphrey, and each week I bring you the top supply chain professionals in the industry. You will learn about best practices, new innovation, and most up-to-date information about supply chain. I believe that collaboration is the future of business, and I have designed this show to ensure you have all the information you need to succeed in business and in your supply chain. This episode was produced in collaboration with Border Buddy, the most innovative online customs platform out there. And here is what Graham, the founder, has to say. More and more companies are looking to expand their reach into global markets, but most don't know where to start or don't have the time to figure it out. Border Buddy sees the struggle and has created a way for you to integrate customs into your e-commerce shopping cart, like Shopify, Magento, eBay, and others allowing you ease and peace of mind when selling to customers in North America. Your customers will know exactly how much the costs are to import their order from your door to theirs in real time. We're the first API-based custom solution. Just imagine what that will do for your business and your sales. Visit us and sign up for 10% off your first clearance at borderbuddy.com forward slash let's talk supply chain. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. About a month ago, today's topic came about from one of my listeners and book club friends, Julie Shum. When I asked my question of the week about what resources are lacking in supply chain. So I went on the search and connected with my community to find the perfect person to discuss this hot topic with. But before I tell you what it is, let's hear from the rest of the community about the question of the week. So the question of the week is what are your biggest questions regarding intermodal in North America? And I asked this question because Intermodal Expo is coming up in September. I know that there's some challenges on the infrastructure side, and I really wanted to hear from you what your biggest questions and challenges are. So Chris Thornton over on Twitter says using multiple modes of transportation allows you to use the best feature of each mode instead of being limited to the weaknesses one mode provides. The goal is to create flexibility and cost efficiency. Some of the other questions that are going to be answered at the Expo conference um, is around chassis. You know, when will the conundrum be resolved? I know there's been some issues there. The impact of IMO 2020 um, transloading. You know, there's a lot of questions around that. What, why, where, and when, and how climate change is going to affect intermodal. I know I'm going to be talking about high 
Hyperloop and what that has to do with the future of intermodal. We talked about that on the Trade Squad episode two, if you wanted to go check that out on the SC Supply Chain TV for a little bit more information about that. And we're also going to talk about at Expo on-time rail service. So those are just some of the questions that are coming up for Intermodal. Thank you to everybody who responded. Remember to check back in on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram every single Wednesday for the question of the week and your chance to be featured. So back to today's episode. Do you have any idea the impact you have on the rest of the individuals in your organization on a day-to-day basis? What if I told you this is the only way to optimize your supply chain? You would think that I was crazy, right? Well, I very much might be, but as much as I talk about collaboration being the future of business, we can't collaborate if we don't even know our own impact first. Charles is here with me today to break this down, but before we do that, let's get to know him a little bit more first. So Charles Brewer is the CEO and founder of Click and Connect, a boutique consulting firm with more than 100 consultants. Uh, Most recently, Charles was the global CEO of DHL e-commerce, a division of Deutsche Post DHL Group, which he joined in 1984. In his role, he led a global team responsible for developing solutions for e-commerce sector, responsible for more than 30,000 employees and customers on all continents. So I'm telling you, if anybody knows about it, it is Charles. So welcome to the show, Charles. (laughs) Hi, Sarah. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. I'm really glad that you're here today because we are bringing a topic to light that my listeners have brought to my attention, and I think you are the guy to answer all of their questions. So why don't we start off, tell us a little bit about yourself. I will indeed, and uh, we're talking thousands of miles apart. So you're in Toronto, I'm in Singapore, you're hot, I'm hotter. And um, for your listeners, a very brief introduction of myself. So Charles Brewer, Sarah mentioned, uh, an international man of mystery. I've now worked in a hundred and, or visited and worked in 113 countries and counting, and uh, spent the last, I don't know, 33, 34 years with DHL, both in its express division uh, for about 32 years, and the last three years heading up and running their e-commerce division. I'm, I'm delighted to be here, Sarah. I think the subject's very classical and uh, a, a question and phrase that gets asked many, many times, the value of supply chain. Well, I am honored to have an international man of mystery on this show. So without further ado, let's talk about this topic. And I'm I'm going to say that this topic isn't just for supply chain professionals. It is for anybody in business, anybody working for different departments, because As we are seeing today, collaboration is happening. Every department is working closer together. And so it's bringing up some of these things. So let's talk about it. How important is a supply chain team to an organization? You know, um, 30 odd years ago, when I first started in logistics, um, I think supply chains, and in fact, for the last 20 odd years, supply chain is a little bit about like the mail room. You know, no one knows it's there until there's a problem and then people scream and shout and uh, kick up all sorts of fuss. But I think that's changed considerably over the last two or three years, considerably, um, and driven by a number of factors. But I think more and more, whether you're a very, very large company, an MNC or downtown SME, um, boards and companies are recognizing the value that supply chain can create, in particular around, you know, it's all about the customer. So I think most companies recognize now that, uh, 
to be successful, that they have to really super delight the customer. So you can't sort of just tell them how it is and get on with it. Um, and supply chain plays right into that niche. It's right into that sort of customer centricity that if you get your products where they should be at the right time, in the right place, in the right order, at the, at the, at the, um, in the environment that the consumer wants, you've got a fairly good chance of being successful. So it's, it's clearly around customer satisfaction. It's clearly around creating the right operating cost model. So again, I think companies recognize fully that uh, having a great supply chain, I, and the big ones have known this for years, but the smaller companies and medium-sized companies, I think, recognize today more than ever that supply chains can create a really positive uh, cost impact for an organization. That leads to obviously a significantly better profit. Um, so I think, I think, as I said, you know, Going back to 25 years, 30 years ago, they'd be a little bit like the mailroom, but today most companies recognize that supply chains where it's at. And if you're in logistics like you and I, we just love them. They're just a great place. And that's where the rubber hits the road. That's where you create significant differentiation for your consumer. Absolutely. And I think consumers are starting to realize it too. I mean, those that really understand what supply chain means um, knows that their customer experience comes out of not only supply chain, but also that collaboration with potentially marketing yeah. as well and customer service. Yeah, so yeah. let's talk about that then. You know, what departments feed into supply chains and which departments do supply chains feed into? Like sure. where, where is that push pull? Where's that downstream? Where's that upstream? You know, what are we talking about here? Yeah, sure. So I, I mean, uh, and, and again, you know, the, in the old days, it used to be a sort of fairly siloed environment, sitting in a darkened room with uh, gathering dust somewhere in the building. Uh, but today it's, uh, and, and again, I think this is true for all departments, not, not just supply chain, but, you know, collaborative organizations um, create better results. So, uh, you know, I think I mean, obviously the ones that sort of the traditional functions that feed into supply chains, operations, sales, customer service, finance, and the lovely purchasing in many cases feed into supply chain. And in many organizations, you're finding the supply chain manager actually taking responsibility for broader um, department sets than, than perhaps um, historically was the case. So those sort of functions typically feed into and supply chain, and again, you know, it, it has changed. So today, um, supply chain heads, supply chain uh, leaders to, can, in, in many cases, sit on the board. Um, so they feed into the organization at a very, at a very highest level. Um, and where they don't sit on the board, they have a responsibility to feed into those same functions we just talked about. So, you know, collaborating with sales, making our, our lovely friends, and I say it very nicely, I'm a salesman at heart, but uh, our lovely friends in sales do tend to promise the earth and the uh, supply chain, they have to find a way to deliver it. But working with sales, working with, particularly working with finance and purchasing in making sure they get a great supplier relationship Um both from a governance perspective, but also from a fiscal perspective, working with operations, obviously. So um, whatever you design as a supply chain head, making sure that the operation can actually build and deliver. So I think, again, I think, Sarah, holistically, um, the supply chain function has changed significantly where it's incumbent on the, the department, but clearly incumbent on the leader to ensure they have a very open and engaged environment with, with the core functions, but with the organization uh, as a whole. Yeah, I'd love to see that, you know, supply chain is now at 
has a seat at the table, right? Organizations are really understanding that it's a crucial function, not only of their bottom line, but also of that customer experience that we talked about. And if you listen to the show, you know that my word is collaboration. So I love to hear you talking about that. And it's all well and good that we talk about the collaboration and, you know, how the different departments feed into each other. But there's also some discourse around that, I believe, because I think that, and I think what some of my listeners, because I had a couple of listeners come to me with this topic, and I went back to them and I pushed back and said, you know, what exactly do you want to know, right? Because we're talking about collaboration and how supply chain can collaborate with different departments, you know, marketing, like you said, procurement, purchasing, that kind of thing. Um, But I still think that there is some discourse there and that we're having some trouble, right? There's a little bit of a push-pull. Who's responsible for what? Because it's happening so quickly, right? You know, it's like traditionally supply chain, like you said, has been kind of siloed and now it's coming to the forefront and everybody just needs to figure out how to work together. So how do you encourage your employees to be curious and willing to learn about their personal impact to the supply chain of a company. Yeah, again, just before I come to that, Sarah, I, I want to tell uh, or share a story with you. To, to uh, I suppose for your listeners, anybody who's sort of working in the supply chain space and uh, whether it be functional leader, departmental member, whatever else, and perhaps raise the question or sort of question their sort of um, their impact on the organisation. I just want to share a couple of stories that perhaps help um, your listeners understand sort of the the, gr- the gravity of supply chain and, that, and the reason why it's so it's so relevant and so important and, ma- and maybe why it's more in the spotlight today than it ever was. So a couple of things. One is, you know, there's a lovely story from the US. So when Mickey Drexler, who um, was the CEO for, for J. Crew for many years and is renowned in that space as being a bit of a tra- transformation guru, an amazing person, a, a, a real a real excellent leader. If you ever want to sort of read up on a sort of great leadership styles, but anyway, to the point when he left. Um, J. Crew, which was the shock of the analysts and of Wall Street when he actually decided to leave J. Crew and his leaving departure, he was asked who would, who would replace him. He said, "I'm not so sure, but it'll either be somebody from tech or supply chain." Um, so I think you know companies, you know, fashion, massive fashion organisations, huge tech platforms um, are realising and recognising the the influence and the power and the importance of supply chain. And this is at a, at a company level. If you look at it from a holistic level, it says the world, you know, logistics and supply chain play such an important role in life. Um, but I think that, that, that Mickey Drexler story is a great story in terms of he wasn't looking for somebody who comes from the fashion industry or knows how to sew a button on a shirt. It, it, he was saying that his successor should probably come from somebody who understands getting the product to the customer is the most important thing in, on the planet, which it is. Um, and the second thing is that, um, as I mentioned at the start, you know, the last three years, uh, I was a CEO for DHL e-commerce, um, and e-commerce is just the biggest thing to have hit the logistics sector, uh, retail sector, postal sector, most sectors ever. Um, and if you like it, which I do, it's super exciting, but it comes at a huge risk and huge cost. But the, the interesting part of that sort of e-commerce journey, which is, as I say, going to transform uh, most of our lives uh, for the years to come um, have an impact on all of our lives for the years to come. Uh, the interesting part of that is that if you look at sort of e-commerce platforms and go back sort of two or three years, uh, maybe five years, uh, the biggest challenge most of the tech platforms, retailers, brands had 
was how to create a website and it cost millions of dollars and uh, would take a year or two years to build. Today, an SME in Toronto or an SME in Singapore can build a, a, a website in half a day. In fact, I just did it um, at a fairly low cost. Um, so the, so the, 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 the sort of focal point of e-commerce uh, has moved away from, to a certain degree, has moved away from sort of the tech piece to delivery and logistics and supply chain. So how do we make sure we get the product to the customer in the right place at the right time at the right cost? So I think, again, if anybody out or any of your listeners are sort of questioning, am I in the right space? You really are. Supply chain is, as I said earlier, is the most important, in my humble opinion, the most important part of organizations, and more and more organizations are recognizing that. So to your question, sir, that was quite a long answer to your question. To your question, I don't know that you have to go too far to explain to employees or, or to encourage employees to become excited and energized by what's happening in supply chain or how does it work, because I think generally there is this cultural shift, this organize, organizational shift towards people understanding that, um, that that product movement, f fulfillment, destination fulfillment, cross-border, domestic delivery, air, road, ground, sea, and all the other bits that we love is becoming sort of a core component of the organization. So certainly from my experience um, and in talking to companies, I think there's less of a challenge to motivate others to be excited and inquisitive to understand um, the sort of supply chain arena, perhaps where there's a bigger challenge and a bigger opportunity to explain exactly how you're going to do that and exactly how you can uh, improve the environment. Because, like I said at the start of this question, um, because of its importance and because it's at the forefront, it does come under the spotlight far more today than it has done in the past. So I guess a little bit less around, in my humble opinion, a little bit less around how to motivate and probably a little bit more around how to explain what we do, the murky world of supply chain. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I love the story that you brought up. I remember reading about that. And I think, I don't know if I silently cheered or cheered out <laughs> loud when I was, I was reading that, but it was amazing to hear, you know, that supply chain would be that driving force behind the leadership. Yeah, they, they, um, even, they even, I mean, even more recently, um, there's been plenty of articles talking about sort of most CEOs will probably come from the supply chain space uh, going forward. I, I think it's, it's just changed, you know, the, the environment from when I started 30 odd years ago, I think uh, where supply chain sits, where it was sitting then to where it sits today, uh, I think has changed immensely. Um, no longer is it a small, dusty, dark office in the corner of a building. It now sits on the board. Very often, as I said earlier, it has multiple function relationships and the organizations recognize the importance of that person sitting in the room who runs the supply chain environment. Absolutely. But I think when it comes to being curious and willing, I think part of that responsibility has got to be on the organization yep. for some cross-training opportunities, right? Yep. I mean, at the end of the day, if we're going to take a look at customer experience as a whole, that touches warehousing, that touches, you know, supply chain teams, logistic teams, yep. that is marketing, that touches sales, that touches customer experience. And so how do we bring that, how do we bring them all together? You might not need to know everything about supply chain, but I think that you really also, you know, from an organizational perspective, do some cross training. So yeah. there's some empathy 
here um, so that you understand what your counterparts in other departments are doing on a day-to-day basis and maybe how what you're doing on a daily basis affects how their day is going to go. Um, and I think that that's going to be really important moving forward because otherwise I'm, no, I'm just not sure that collaborative, you know, uh, thought process is going to work if we don't have that. And so um, another one of my listeners' questions comes out and says, how do you align cross-functional teams metrics to promote collaboration for process improvement? So that goes back to what I said. You know, the collaboration idea is a great idea, but to come together and put and um you know, do some process improvement, do some strategy around that mm-hmm. is a whole nother level. Yeah. You know, they use the example of sales staff tend to overcommit to customer, which is what you said, and that causes upstream pressure to deliver. So how do we remove those pressures? How do we remove those obstacles yeah. so that, you know, we're not compounding the issue as it moves down the line? Yeah, I, I, I think, again, it does differ slightly, um, whether you're in a sort of a, an MNC with 500, as DHL had 500,000 plus employees, where you're trying to get 500,000 employees to work collectively as a team versus if you have five. But I think the challenges are fairly common, you know. I, I think, the, I think the, therefore, the answer is probably fairly consistent. So, you know, a couple of things. One is, you know, it starts with the leadership behavior. So... Um, you know, I have seen examples where organizations at the board level operate in silos. And if you operate in a silo or, or your employees below you see the board working um, very independently um, as opposed to collectively and collaboratively, then those behaviors flow downhill and, and employees tend typically tend to follow the behaviors of their, of their leadership team. So I think it, you know, something certainly we encourage ones at DHL and, and I, I certainly do in my organization is it, it starts with a footprint that I create. So um, it's really important that uh, the leader talks, behaves, their footprint, their shadow, mirrors collectively the right approach. So that say uh, your employees see a very, very consistent approach from their, from their leadership team. The second thing is that, um, you know, you could, there, there are a number of different ways you can come at uh, skinning the cat. So I'll give, give an example of, you know, again, a real-life example and, and rather rather painful. So when DHL, as I'm sure you remember, um, had made an acquisition in the U.S. and eventually decided to um, pull, you know, withdraw from that, um, that acquisition and shut down the domestic business, um, as an organization, we were facing, but facing obviously a huge challenge in terms of not just in the U.S., but um, globally, how do we ensure that we go forward? Um, how do we ensure that we go forward as an organization and, and really focus on uh, the customer? So, uh, and to bring you back to the question, so we obviously a large part of our organization is the frontline couriers. And to your point, couriers on, on many occasions don't necessarily appreciate um, the strategies and the goals of the organization. So one of the things we talked about as a, as a company when we, when we went through that very painful experience, which I hope never to repeat, but one of the things we talked about is that, look, if we have any chance of succeeding, um, it's about keeping the customers that we have um, and uh, making sure they really feel that customer centricity. And then we said, okay, well, where's the touch points for that? And we talked, obviously, about a huge touch point for us as a courier. And then we said, okay, well, how well do the couriers 
understand who our customers are and what their requirements are and what they want and so on and so forth. And so we just went out and asked, um, and we spend a lot of our time on the front line anyway, but so we went out and asked our couriers, who are, who are your top customers? And not rather, probably not too surprisingly, um, their sort of level of knowledge around our customers and indeed what our strategy was, was lower than perhaps we wanted. So we just took a very simplistic approach and said, well, let's start with in every single one of our service centers, every single one of our facilities, make very publicly visible um, who our top 10, top 20, top 30, our total list of customers are for a particular area. So in Toronto, in New Jersey, in New York, wherever it was, in all of our facilities, we, you know, on posters, very manual, we listed out all of our customers. And then every briefing, daily briefing, we talked through two or three of those customers. Who were they? What industry were they in? What typically were their wants? What typically were their sort of frustration points? And over, and, you know, there was no silver bullet to this, but over a period of time, the level of understanding and the level, level of empathy and the level of understanding around the importance of loving that customer really grow within the organization. So we created a culture of loving that customer to bits from every single person, not just the salesperson, to your point, not just the, uh, the station manager, not just the MD, but from every, every single employee understood who that customer was, their value to our organization, why we wanted to keep them, what products they shipped, what their sort of requirements were, what their pickup time request was. So through every single element, uh, we went through and engaged the employee on that. So how could we make it better for the customer? So asking the courier, how could we make it better? So I'm not for one second suggesting that's the answer to the question, but I think um, the approach is very, very common. So I think if you're in a small business, a medium-sized business or a large business, ask yourself this question. Do my employees understand what each of the other departments do? Not just supply chain, but do they understand what each of the other departments do? And do they understand the importance of those departments? Do they understand the importance that each of the employees has on the success of the organization? Um, and that's, that's really key to, um, to really sort of building that right culture so that um, you actually have a chance of success. Yeah, but you bring up a really, really good point that I, you know, really didn't even even think about. You know, I was thinking about the different apartments and I was thinking about, you know, supply chain and you know how the how the different departments work together and they they intertwine, but I was I was kind of trying to figure out how do we collaborate? Everybody's got different ideas of what that means, you know, and at the end of the day we're still somewhat siloed in what we do every day unless it's a culture of of bringing everybody together and really talking about what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. But you bring up a great point Point. And I think that the moral of that approach is to focus on the customer. Sure. So the customer is that focal point of the approach. And then every other department then can understand their role, not only in the supply chain of it, but in the business chain. Um, I think I've maybe just coined a term, taking <laughs> it away from the supply chain, going into the business chain of the impact that they not only have within their departments, but the impact that they have on the customer. And if you focus on the customer, what the customer wants and each moving part and how they fit into that and what that means to them, what that means to the business, what that means to their department, what that means to the departments around them as a whole, 
then you are going to get some really great results and some positive process improvement. Yeah, um, and I, I think. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I mean, you're always going to have. Um, you're always. I, I'm sorry. So I think you're, you're 100 correct. I think number one is about making sure that everybody understands what is their role within the organization. How does their jigsaw piece contribute to the collective good of the organization? The collective good of what the, the organization is trying to achieve. So, and you'll be really surprised. And again, we've gone through this three or four or five times uh, at DHL, but you're really surprised at how often actually the employee doesn't really understand where they fit into the into the picture um, and what their contribution is. They don't understand that the two pieces left and right of them, how those two pieces contribute to the success of their their um, their particular individual uh, area of responsibility. So, you know, I think it's nothing more basic than just making sure people are starting with communication, making sure everybody, you know, start on a journey where you're going to bring the organization again, whether you're a small, medium or large organization, bringing that organization to life in terms of let's spend a bit of time talking about it and reflecting on what do we do, how do we do it, how do we play with each other, how do we work with each other, where does the customer sit within our organization, are we all focused in the same direction are there any parts of the process that don't quite work so i think it's, it's it, you know again this is nothing new and I, i'm not creating any idea but it is I, I do believe that quite often there's nothing basic about the basics so really just getting those sort of fundamental building blocks of the organization right the the other the other the other thing is you know you somebody some of your listeners may say well it's all well and good charles but uh, you know jimmy in sales or Jack in finance still doesn't won't do what we want to do or doesn't really get it. The other thing to do is that you can create uh, more tangible approaches to driving that cultural shift. One is, you know, then there are a couple of very good examples out there, again, which have been around, around for a while, but one is customer circles. So rather than having departmental uh, silos working on finance, ops, HR, whatever it may be, you can take your customer and say, we're going to build a team around that customer. The team around the customer is the new department. So that's been done and, and been around for a while now. And I've seen that work very, very well in some organizations, not in others. Um, but that, that sort of customer circles can be a good approach. And I, I guess the last one is that, um, that I would share is that, um, you know, again, and taking from my, my personal experience uh, in terms of, your, your yearly IKOs, your individual key objectives, um, and uh, having spent five years in the US and in North America, I know how important those annual bonuses and commissions are. But you know, taking some elements of those and making them holistic targets or holistic goals. So rather than saying it's just about what you do individually, you know, if you've got five individual key objectives, as an example, make three of them um, uh, around the group success or around the customer success as opposed to individual. And I think that worked very, very well in organizations where, um, you know, those first three targets are related to how the broader company does, how the broader group does, as opposed to individual in the last two or three are, are more around what you do individually. That can help to drive that change at an accelerated rate. Well, and I also think with the next generation coming up and looking for their place, right? They're looking for that place of value that gives them a reason to go into work every day. And I think that if they can better understand their personal responsibility, their personal impact and what they bring to their day to day, I think you're going to be able to keep engage and retain um, more of the next generation. And that is definitely something that is a hot topic as well. I talk about supply chain talent. Um, I mean, I'm talking about talent across the board right now, but even supply chain 
marketing talent. You know, these are the things that they want to know about. So we need to arm them with that information. We need to bring them into the fold and we need to talk about how we can collaborate and what their personal responsibility is and how it impacts um, everything, including that customer experience. So I have my next question is a bit of a long winded one. Um, It does come from a listener. Um, and she says in various companies, there was no clear cut line when the job of a buyer slash procurement specialist ends. And in many cases, supply chain specialists think that their job is done when the PO is issued. Therefore, there was no proactive follow up on delivery dates from PM perspective. Buyers really need to own their POs and their job is done when the product is delivered based on applicable inco terms. Supplier is paid and PO is closed. Oftentimes I notice that supply chain doesn't want to deal so much with clearing invoices or snags and always push those back to the procurement um, management to solve. Give us your top three actions that could be taken to resolve this challenge. I know it's a bit of a, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit pinpointed um, to procurement and supply chain. But since we're talking about this topic and the listener sent the question in, I really wanted to, you know, talk about this because again, it's that push pull, you know, where you gave a really great example of how we can collaborate as a whole, but maybe two departments together, you know, what are the things that can resolve that? Because obviously this is a big challenge, right? Where does one end and, and one begin and how do you sort that out? Yeah. So as we were saying, Sarah, I think, um, well, first of all, I think it's a great question, you know, so, um, you know, often I've heard people ask of other functions or departments, you know, they're not seeing it through, whatever else. So I, I guess there's, there's two or three comments I'd make around this. One is that, you know, in my humble opinion and, and based on some of my experience, you know, it's a bit like sort of painting the Seven Bridge in England or indeed Golden Gate Bridge. There isn't necessarily an end point. You start at one end, you finish the bridge and you start again. Um, so I think in supply chain, that's true as well. Uh, and I think in life, our roles have changed to one more of focus on continuous improvement than necessarily start and finish. So I guess that's point number one. Point number two is um, uh, project, I, I assume that the person or persons that ask this question come from a project management background or indeed have had experience of that. And if that's the case, then that's fantastic because I'm a, a huge fan of, um, they keep people, loose cannons like me, they keep us in check and make sure we do what we say we're gonna do and deliver on our projects, etc. So, but I think to the, to the point, you know, great project managers, and I've worked with many, um, and great mon- uh, project management tools help to answer this question, which is they have the, um, the skill sets and the tool sets to be able to sort of make sure that any project has plenty of checkpoints, plenty of feedback loops, plenty of milestone reviews, etc., to make sure that you are continually delivering and improving on what uh, you were set out on. So I think that's a, the that's a second point. And the third one is that, um, you know, I guess, if, again, like I said earlier, um, it's very easy to jump on a podcast and say, oh, you know, here's the, the, the plethora and panacea solution to all of the problems that exist in the world, and I'm not so sure it's quite as black and white as that. I guess in an organization, if, if somebody or the people have asked that question are having challenges or issues around this, that particular point, then talk about it. You know, um, Get down with the relevant departments. If it's one particular department that's causing an issue more than another, um, sit down and talk about it. Try and find some common ground. I was asked recently, how do you deal with sort of that impasse moment? So 
I think Department X isn't doing what they should be doing and isn't helping the organization. The, the, the answer is that's not a very good place or a sustainable place to stay. So try and find some common ground. Try and find something you agree on. It can be anything. Try and find something you agree on, which then becomes the the foundation for you hopefully to find a better solution and a, and a better working environment going forward most people you know we start we started in the beginning of this podcast talking about how people perhaps get things wrong i don't think people come to come to work to to get it wrong it's normally a, a function of either not really fully understanding or perhaps not um uh, us in, indeed not fully understanding how the other person operates so i, I think generally speaking the communication and uh, communication being both you talking and you listening, um, I think is probably a good place to start to try and find a better solution, a better place to work. Absolutely. Communication is always key. All right. So lastly, let's wind this down. We spoke a lot about, you know, organization, it's sort of coming from the top, taking a look at that customer experience, every single role that everybody plays. But if the organization isn't taking that stance, um, is maybe not doing you know, maybe not doing or taking that approach just yet, or maybe they're talking about it. What can departments do within an organization, whether it's supply chain, whether it's downstream, upstream, you name it, what are maybe the top three things that individuals or departments can start implementing today on a road to better collaboration? Yeah, I, and so I'll draw on my sort of personal experience. So, um, you know, when I first uh, took over the, the e-commerce role uh, with DHL, um, not everything is always as rosy as perhaps you wanted to. And I joined a different part of the organization. Um, and uh, I was given a, and, and I found that transition quite, quite difficult in some respects. And I'm sure many organizations are sitting there frustrated with how their current their department currently sits within the organization or how they work with another function um so so that and that can, can become hugely frustrating i think you know one of the best pieces of advice i was given uh, sort of three three years ago was working out who your stakeholders are and again one of the questions you asked me at the start was who does supply chain work with so if you're uh, one of sarah's fantastic listeners listening to this and if you're sitting there pulling your hair out and feeling rather frustrated about life i think what a good place to start is now, who, who are my stakeholders? Who do I work with uh, on a day-to-day basis? Who do I want to have um, saying happy things about what I do? And if you start with that in terms of, you know, whether it be direct interface or indirect interface and saying, okay, as of today or as of tomorrow, if you like, um, so today's well, your, your Monday evening, I'm Tuesday morning, but uh, whenever you listen to this, uh, if you think about it from tomorrow morning, I'm going to make a conscious effort tomorrow morning when I walk into the office to go across to one of the stakeholders that I work with in a small company, a medium-sized company, or a large company, shake their hand and say, hey, how are you? It's a fantastic place to start. Just go and interact. Find out about them. Find out about what they do on a day-to-day basis. Find out how you as a supply chain operative can help make their life easier. Find out about them personally. What do they like? What do they dislike? Which football team do they support? Or American football team do they support? Find out what really makes them tick. And I think, as I said earlier, if you find those sort of common grounds, you'll instantly feel better about yourself and and start to create a, a singularly better and more collaborative environment. 
Absolutely. Because too often we go into, you know, our workspace and we're already thinking about how much work we have to do and how yeah. much we need to get done that day and what meetings yeah. we have. And so we kind of silo ourselves, right? We get kind of in our head. So um, there you have it, everybody. I mean, no matter what part of the organization you work with, knowledge sharing and collaboration are key to optimizing your business or your supply chain. Get to know how your daily efforts impact the roles around you and what you can do to make a difference today because who knows, it might also make your day a lot easier too. For more information about Charles and this episode, please go to letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode 78. Thank you, Charles, for joining us today from Singapore and sharing your insights on this very, very important topic. You're very welcome, Sarah. If you liked this episode, make sure to comment on my question of the week every single Wednesday and your thoughts might spark an exclusive episode just like it did today. If you're looking for more of the episodes, go to podcast at letstalksupplychain.com. So next week is the beginning of September and I am featuring another powerhouse woman in supply chain. Plus, I have a new guest host for this episode that I am super excited to introduce you to. Holly will be interviewing Ali Sedino, and she is advocating for women in maritime. You're not going to want to miss that episode. We get to learn a little bit more about Holly. We get to know all about Allie's journey to success and what she is doing for women in maritime. So stay tuned for that. It's coming up next week. For more information about the show, sign up for our newsletter Follow us on YouTube, the SC Supply Chain TV. Subscribe there. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. And follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. Plus, I have a lot of merch. I have a supply chain dictionary. Just go to shop at letstalksupplychain.com and um, take a look around. Take a look and see what I have there for you. Next, go to ships.com. That's S H I P Z dot com or pz dot com and you will be one of the first people to know once we have launched our beta it has been a long run but i'm telling you we are close and we are almost ready to let you know so you're going to want to be on that list lastly rate and review the show go to itunes i will tell everybody about your review whether it's good whether it's bad i want to hear from you hopefully it's not too bad uh, but I want to hear from you. So go rate and review. Plus, that's going to help everybody else uh, find this show as well. I really, really appreciate your support. Thank you so much for tuning in each and every week. And remember, everybody, ship happens. <laughs>